Chapter 5. The Pioneer In the village the next morning, criers ran through the streets calling to the people of Sparks. They told them to bring out their old blankets, pillows, towels, and rags, and any clothes they no longer needed. They were in a heap on the street in front of their houses. From the storehouses, people collected food, things that they didn't need to be cooked, like apples from the prior fall, dried apricots, bread, and big hunks of cheese. Doom, who had gotten up at the first sign of light in the sky, watched these preparations with rising excitement. By midday, a caravan was moving southward out of the village. It was composed of strange vehicles that the villagers kept calling truck wagons, or just trucks. They were made out of rusty metal and had four black wheels. At the front was a boxy part, like a metal chest, with a rounded top. And behind it was a higher box with two seats in it where the driver sat. The back of the truck was flat, and this was where the crates of supplies were loaded. Attached to each of these trucks by sturdy ropes were two big, squarish, muscular animals, much bigger than anything Dune had ever seen. They made snuffling noises and sometimes a low sort of groan. What are they? Dune asked someone walking near them. Oxen, like cows, you know, that milk comes from? Dune had never heard of cows. He had thought milk just came from powder in a box. He didn't say any of this, of course. He just nodded. And what does truck mean? He asked. He understood the word wagon. The man looked surprised. It just means truck, you know, like what people used to drive in the old times. There are millions of them, trucks and cars everywhere. They used to run on their own without oxygen, without oxen. They had engines in here. You used to pour this stuff called gasoline in the engine, and that would make the wheels turn. But since we're all out of gasoline, we had to take the engines out. And now we took out the engines. This way the trucks are lighter and easier to pull. Dune didn't want to ask what gasoline was. He didn't want to show any more signs of ignorance at all. He'd spread his questions around, find out a few things from one person at a time. He and his father walked along together beside one of the trucks. Dune had expected Lena to be with them, but by the time the caravan left, she still hadn't come. That was all right. She'd easily find out where they'd gone and she would come later. Dune's father still had sore muscles from the long walk the days before, so Dune soon went ahead of him. He was bursting with energy and joy and could not walk slowly. He took the deep breaths of sweet-smelling morning air. Dune kept wondering as he looked out across the vast area where the edges were. He made his way to the front of the procession and asked Wilmer, who was trotting along with his arms swinging jauntily. Edges? said Wilmer. Yeah, I mean, like, if I was standing way over there, he pointed to the horizon where the sky seemed to meet the land, would I be at the edge of this place? What's beyond the edge? Well, there is no edge, said Wilmer, looking at Dune as if he must have something wrong with him. The earth is a sphere, a huge round ball. If you keep going and going, you'll eventually come back to where you started. This nearly knocked the breath out of Dune. It was so strange and hard to comprehend. He thought at first that Wilmer was playing a joke on him, thinking he was a fool. But Wilmer's expression was plainly puzzled, not sly. He must have been telling the truth. There were a million mysteries here, Dune thought. He would explore them all. He would learn everything. That morning, he'd already learned the words sun, tree, wind, star, and bird. He'd learned dog, chicken, goat, and bread. He'd never in his life felt so good. He felt as huge as the land around him and as clear and as bright as the air. No laboring in dank tunnels here. No running through dark streets. Now he was out in the open 
free and powerful in a way that he'd never been before. He had done something remarkable, saved his people from their dying city. And along with Lena, he would be known for that deed all of his life. He gazed around at this new world full of life and beauty, and he felt proud to have brought his people there. The road passed the last of the houses of the village, and it ran along the river, which was wide and slow, with grasses bending along its banks. The trucks rattled, clouds of dust billowed up from their wheels, and all around Dune rose a babble of voices, as people pointed the things out of tones of astonishment. Look, something white floating in the sky. Did you see that little animal with the big tail? (gasps) Did you feel that? The air is moving. Children darted every which way, daring each other to touch the broad sides of the oxen, plucking blossoms from the branches and jumping onto the trucks to grab a quick ride until they were shooed off again. And then the sun shone down on everyone. The people of Ember loved the strange feeling of heat on the tops of their heads. They would put their hands up often to touch the warm hair. The road went up a gentle rise and around a clump of trees. Here we are, cried Wilmer, the Pioneer Hotel. At the crest of the slope stood a building, bigger than anything Dune had ever seen. It was three stories high and very long, with a wing at each end perpendicular to the main part. Windows marched in three rows across its walls. In the center, overlooking a long field that sloped down to the river, was what must have been a grand entrance. Wide steps, a roof held up by columns, and a double doorway. But the building was grand no more. It was old, Dune could tell. Its walls were gray and stained, and most of the windows were no more than dark holes. The roof even sagged inward in some places. Ben Barlow strode across the wide, weedy field in front of the hotel and climbed the steps. Wilmer followed. He leaned against the column. Ben took a position on the top step and waited for the crowd of refugees to assemble before him. Ben held up both hands and called, Attention, please. Welcome to your new home, the Pioneer Hotel. A cheer rose from the crowd, and Ben frowned and held up his hands again. It is a temporary home. We cannot, of course, keep you here in Sparks on permanent basis. To do so would severely drain our resources and no doubt cause resentment and dep- deprivation among our people. Ben cleared his throat and frowned into the air. Then he went on. We decided that you may stay here for six months, through summer and fall to the end of the month of the chilling. After that, with the training you'll receive from us, you will go out into the empty lands and found a village of your own. The people of Ember glanced at each other in surprise. Found their own village? Some of them smiled eagerly at the idea. Others looked uncertain. The city of Ember had been constructed for them. All they'd ever had to do was repair the work that the builders had done. They never built anything from scratch. But Dune himself said that he would learn, and he thought about all this. I'm sure we can learn. Ben went on. The Pioneer Hotel has 75 rooms, plus a big dining room, a ballroom, offices, and a lobby. There will be adequate space for everyone. Excited murmurs swept across the crowd. Dune started doing the math in his head. 417 people divided by 75 rooms equaled about five or six people per room. That sounded crowded, but maybe the rooms were big. Well, and then there was a dining room and a ballroom, whatever that was. Maybe those could hold 10 to 20 people. Now, of course, this building is somewhat less than fully functional. You won't have water pumps here as we do in the village, but the water is close, just down the slope, and the water there is clean. The river will provide you with water for drinking, bathing, and washing clothes. 
Your toilets will be outside. You'll start digging them tomorrow, and then you'll settle into your rooms. There's not much furniture left in these rooms, Ben said. Maybe a few rooms still have beds, but I think we've taken most of them by now. You'll be sleeping on the floor. Sleeping on the floor? The voice came from somewhere behind Dune. Its tone was somewhere between outrage and amused disbelief. Dune turned around to see who it was. In the middle of a crowd, he spotted a tall boy, a young man, really, who seemed to be standing up on something, maybe a rock or a tree stump. He was handsome in a sharp-edged way, and his jaw was square-cornered. Dune recognized this boy, though he didn't know him. His name was Mick, maybe Trick, Mac, something like that. On the floor, yes, said Ben, but we'll give you as many blankets as we can. The boy's sharp voice came again. One more question, sir. What about food? The question rippled through the crowd. Yes, food. What will we eat? Ben raised his voice. Please listen. Listen, he said. Doom could see that Ben's eyes were fixed on the boy with the sharp voice. Ben had the look of a teacher speaking to a slightly unruly class. Eating will work this way, he said. You will be assigned to a household in the village, four to five people per house. At noon, you'll go there for your main meal. As for your breakfast and dinner, your lunchtime family will give you food to take away with you, something to eat in the evening and something to save for the next morning. They will be as generous as they can, but remember, we do not have an abundance here. Is that clear? Any questions? No one spoke for a moment. Then the tall boy said, No, sir. Lead on. So Ben led the way into the lobby of the ancient Pioneer Hotel. Dune and his father stayed close together, stepping carefully. It was hard to see. The only light came from the doorway behind them. The floor was littered with chunks of fallen plaster and gritty with dirt that had blown in over the years. This place needs work, Dune whispered to his father. His father brushed a spiderweb from his face. Yeah, but we're lucky to be here. We could be sleeping on the ground. Ben led them down a hallway to the left to the vast room with high windows, where dusty sunshine slant across the broken tiles. This was the dining room. Dune saw only a few chairs lying on their sides, most of them with a leg or two broken. Beyond the dining room was a room even more immense, with a raised platform on one end and a high ceiling and a wooden floor. The ballroom? In earlier years, before the disaster, musicians sat up there on stage and people danced out here. Smells moldy in here. It was the boy again. His clear, sharp voice carried over the others. Reminds me of home, he said louder, and people laughed. It was true. The smell of mold was common in the underground city of Ember. There was a bit of comfort in it. Dune suddenly remembered the name of this tall boy who kept speaking out. It was Tick, Tick Hassler. In Ember, Dune recalled, he had been a hauler. He pulled carts full of produce from the greenhouses to the stores and garbage from the stores out to the trash heaps. Dune hadn't known him then, but he remembered seeing him pull at his loaded cart, his whole long body slanted forward in a fierce grin of effort on his face. He pulled his carts faster than anybody else. Ben led them to the stairs, and they climbed to the floors above. Long, dim corridors lined with doors stretched the length of the building. Some of the doors were open. Dune looked through them as he passed. All the rooms were more or less the same. Windows across one wall, a stained, faded carpet, a couple of broken lamps lying on the floor. Few of the rooms had beds. Several others had some furniture, a chest with drawers, end table, a chair or two. He stepped into some of the rooms and found that they had bathrooms as well. 
with rust-stained sinks and bathtubs that were homes to spiders. For the next couple of hours, people swarmed through the corridors up and down the stairs, calling to each other as they chose their rooms and decided who to share them with. People grouped together, chose a room, then changed their mind and teamed up with another. Shouts rang through the halls. Jake, down here. No, this one's better. It has a chair. Mama, Mama, where are you? This room's full. No more people. Dune heard Tick's voice ringing out over the others every now and then. He wondered which room he was choosing and who he was choosing to live with. Finally, everyone settled in. Dune and his father chose a room on the second floor, room 215, along with two other people. One was Edward Pocket, who had been Ember's librarian. He was a friend of Dune's in a way. He was old and often crabby, but he liked Dune, who had been a frequent visitor to the library. The other was Sag Mara, the man who had tried to venture out into the unknown regions beyond the city of Ember. For a while after that experience, he'd gone out of his mind with fright. He recovered somewhat since then. In spite of his terror, he'd managed to climb into one of the boats and the took that took the people out of the city of Ember into this new world. He was still fearful and a trembling sort of person. Nearly everything about this unfamiliar place scared him. He refused to go near the window. Something might come in, he said. There are things here that fly. The four of them set to work fixing the room. It was full of cobwebs. Two of its three windows were broken, and bits of dry leaves and splinters of glass littered the carpet. They took their socks off and used them as dust rags and swept away the cobwebs, picked up the leaves and glass and tossed them out the window. They put the lamps out in the hall. They were useless, of course, since there was no electricity. And they lined up the dresser and the end tables in the middle of the room to make a sort of wall dividing the space into two. There was enough room for Dune and his father to spread their blankets out on the floor on one side, and Sajin and to spread his on the other, and Edward Pocket, who was very short, decided to spread his blanket out on the floor of the largest closet, which had a sliding door. He said he didn't mind being slightly cramped. He liked the privacy. That night, Dune didn't sleep much. He lay on his folded blankets and stared up through the window at the dark sky. His mind teemed with possibilities. So much to do, so much to learn. He felt suddenly older and stronger, though it had been less than a week since he left Ember. But he was a new person, and he was in a new world. He would do new things and be friends with new people. Maybe, he thought, remembering the voice that stood out above the others today. Maybe he'd be friends with Tick.